depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless faith, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live. forth in glorious day. Up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand.
sing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy ever ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me ever to adore thee, may I still thy goodness prove. While the hope of endless glory fills my heart with joy and love, here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace how great a debtor may thee I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Never let me wander from thee, never leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above.
great days and watch the fleeting changes of life's uneven ways. But if my Savior calls me to that sweet home on high, I'll live with Him forever in glory by and by. Oh yes, I'll live in glory, live in glory by and by. I'll tell and sing love story, tell love story high high. There with my dear Redeemer, then no oh, more, no more to die. Oh yes, I'll live in glory, glory by and by. I want to be your service along this pilgrim way and lead the lost to Jesus as fervently I pray. As day by day I travel, I'll keep him ever nigh And live with him forever in glory by and by Oh yes, I'll live in glory, live in glory by and by I'll tell and sing a story, tell a story hey, oh, I There with my dear Redeemer, then no more, no more to die Oh yes, I'll live in glory, glory by and by The end I know Nearing by faith, I look away to yonder old supernal, the land of endless day. I'll cling to him forever and look beyond the sky and spend the endless ages in glory by and by. Oh, yes, I'll live in glory, living by and by. I'll tell and sing a story, tell a story, high. There with my dear Redeemer, then no more to to die. Oh, yes, I'll live in glory, glory by and
morning. Welcome and Happy New Year. I'm Clayton Wilfer. I'm the pastor at Joy Church here in Fountain Hills, Arizona. Blessings to you. We are continuing now our study in Revelation. We will be in Revelation chapter 8. Before we do that, as we always do, we are going to have some prayer time. But I also want to remind you that if you're looking for study notes, they are on our website. So if you go to our Bible study tab uh, on our website and scroll down, you'll see Bible study handouts, notes. Uh, They're listed there by date. So uh, that is available for you. And if this is your first time joining us in Revelation, welcome. And there are definitely some handouts that might be helpful for you uh, as we continue on. So let's have our time of prayer. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of your word. We would ask that as we come to your word, you help us to fix our sights on you and you alone, not to be distracted by the cares of the world at this time, but to be filled by your word, to be blessed by your word. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Hey, so it's been a little bit since we've actually had our Bible study, a couple weeks now. So let's go ahead and uh, do just a little quick review here. And I'm going to just see if I can adjust that. One second here. There we go. Had a little technical adjustment. Okay, so we have our review. Our Just a very, very brief review here. Chapter 6 was the breaking of the six seals. Well, hey, good morning, Judy B. I'm glad you could join us. Yay, yay, yay. Um, I'm glad. Uh, okay, so chapter 6, the breaking of the sixth seal. And chapter 6 ended this way. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand? And that was the question, really. Who can stand? And do you remember how that was answered in chapter 7? If you were with us in chapter 7, who can stand the wrath that is being poured out? Those who are washed and sealed by the blood of the Lamb. So that is chapter 6. Chapter 7 really is about the saints who are washed, who are sealed, who are held close by the blood of the Lamb. All right. That's just to get our brains going a little bit. Now, chapter 8, the breaking of the seventh seal. So remember, seven being a, a number of completeness, right? So it says this, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half hour. So I'm, I'm really curious When you read this, what does the silence signify? 
I mean, when we have been reading Revelation, we have found that there has been a lot of music, a lot of praise, a lot of worship, a lot of prayers by the saints. But now at the breaking of the seventh seal, there's silence. And the half hour, I don't think, is important. It just seemed like a long period of time for John. But can you imagine all of the the, thou, the myriads of myriads who are singing the praises of the Father, of the Lamb, uh, all of the creatures around the throne who are singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they never cease day or night to say that. But now, there's silence. What does that silence portent? Uh, signify? What does that silence signify? Curious what you have to say about that one. Well, it really sets up the final judgment that is to come. It focuses all of our attention on the breaking of this seventh seal. Because this really is the final judgment. The breaking of the seventh seal, the scroll has been sealed with seven seals. This is the final one. The scroll fully opened, fully unrolled. And now we are going to see the full judgment, the full wrath of God being poured out. And also then his righteousness. Uh, Rose writes, perhaps meditation on what is yet to come. And uh, yeah, I mean, meditation in that it really has us lean into this. So we do want to lean into this to go through this carefully here because there's a lot that happens with the opening of the seventh seal. And it doesn't just happen in chapter 8. It goes in chapter 9 and really starts to carry through through the end of the book. And and yes, Rose says the seventh seal is completeness. And Judy B. says, I would like to know. <laughs> so hopefully I answered it a little bit there. So there's the silence, there's the opening of the seventh seal. And it really grabs our attention, the silence. And then I saw seven angels who stand before God with seven trumpets given to them. So you have the seventh seal, you have seven angels, seven trumpets. It all is about that completeness, the fullness of the judgment. And the, the seals need to be broken open. The trumpets are going to proclaim or announce what is to happen in, in the breaking of the seventh seal. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense and the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Okay, so we've talked about this before. 
uh, regarding incense. But just to go into it a little bit more, uh, I'm just going to remind you that we find uh, incense associated with the tabernacle uh, in, in Exodus. So there is a, an altar, an incense altar, specifically built for incense. And so it's associated with the holiness of God. So there's that altar of incense. But we also have it associated with the prayers of the saints. And we covered this uh, in chapter 5, I believe it was. Um, or maybe 6, I'm, I'm blanking out now. Uh, but anyway, so associated with prayers of the saints. So you had the, the, uh, chapter 5, if I recall. You had the psalm, Luke, Revelation. Uh, you find that this is symbolic of the prayers being offered up. Now, so here's the question, that, though, I have, right? The, the angel has this censer, um, and this, the incense is going up, offering up of their prayers but what are their prayers? I mean, that's the question, right? What are their prayers? And this is where we have to start connecting the dots and tying things in. So we find actually in Revelation chapter 6, it says this, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne, they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Their prayers are for God's judgment, his righteousness, his holiness to be given out upon all of the unrighteousness in the world. These are their prayers. It's not for their own vengeance. It's for God's holiness, his righteousness, his wrath. So, so this actually makes sense then when we take a look at this next verse. Because otherwise it seems like an odd transition from hey, prayers are being lifted up to this. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. So you have prayers being offered up for God's righteousness, his holiness, his wrath. And then the prayers are answered. And so fire is thrown upon the earth. So this is the judgment. This is an answer to the prayers that God does judge. And uh, when you think about it, it's also a fulfillment of what Jesus said. So Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. Remember, who is actually opening up the seal? It is the Lamb of God. He is the one who has the authority for all of these things. So there is a casting fire. There is a judgment upon the earth. Okay. Sip a coffee. 
see if you have any questions, comments. And now we are going to get into the seven trumpets. Um, I, so I did find a picture here. There's the, um, the angels. Now, it's not the best picture for angels. I don't, think the, I, I don't think angels actually look like that necessarily. You know, the human beings with wings. Um, but here's why I like that particular picture. It is because the trumpets are focused on earth. A lot of pictures you have of trumpets, they're just kind of um, generic blaring into space. But here we actually find the trumpets are focused on the earth because there will be judgment upon the earth. Now, before we actually get to the seven trumpets, and by the way, they're going to carry through in chapter 9 and even 10. Uh, But before we carry through on that, there are some other things we need to take a look at here. So what you're going to find is that there's an ongoing repetition in Revelation with one section building upon another. I know everybody wants to make this a chronological order of events. And I'm not going to go into it all right now, but it is very problematic to make everything exactly in a chronological order. I know it's given to us in a chronological order, but I think things overlap and there's a repetition in the building, if you will, of these themes and these judgments that happen. And they start off and they get larger and larger and larger till this the great climatic scene later on that we will eventually get to. And I thought, okay, so what is this like, this building of the themes? And here's what I thought. There is a Maurice Ravel, uh, he, uh, a composer, and he has one, one really famous composition called Bolero. I don't know if you've ever heard Bolero. It's about 15 minutes long, uh, depending on the pace that the conductor has set, the tempo. But what it has, it has, it starts off very quiet, and it just keeps building and building and building. And it's just an amazing composition. So I wanted to try a little bit of an experiment so you can kind of get the feel of, of, of how Revelation builds. Now, I, am, uh, I did some editing. I put together like just a little over two minutes, and I edited various parts. So we're going to get three parts where you kind of hear it building. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that I I can play this uh, and that Facebook and YouTube don't um, cut it out because of copyright. I think this is a fair use because I'm not playing the whole thing. I'm just playing kind of snippets put together. Okay, so here is Bolero.
So did that come through? Uh, was that helpful? Could you kind of see how it just kept building and building and building? So there's a specific rhythm. I just want you to notice there's a specific rhythm that does not change. It really drives the music and provides a through line, if you will. So my question for you then is, what's the rhythm or the through line of Revelation? And Judy B., I see that you really uh, love Bolero. Great. I love it too. So what's the rhythm or the through line of Revelation? Because it does. It just keeps building and building and building. What do you think that is? The rhythm or through line of Revelation. I would encourage you to consider that it is God's sovereignty, his majesty, his glory, his holiness, his righteousness, his judgment against all that is evil, wicked, that opposes him, his care for those who have faith in him. Yeah, Rose writes, preparing for the end times, escalating. So what we're going to see is a repetition, an escalation, but the rhythm, the through line, again, is God's holiness, God's righteousness, his holy, righteous judgment. And it just carries through, and it really does crescendo at the end. So, uh, Judy B. writes, The Judgment and Love of God. Yes, definitely. All right, now let's continue on here. I also want you to notice that how this builds is that we do have the seven trumpets. And the seven trumpets, do this a little larger for you, the seven trumpets uh, we find deal with earth, sea, rivers and springs, sun, moon and stars, the pit of abyss, or hell, as it were, the river Euphrates, lightning and hail. So the, the trumpets are announcing these, and the, the seven bowls are filled, and they're being poured out upon the earth and the sea and the rivers and the sun and the throne of the beast, Satan himself, the river Euphrates, there's lightning, hail. You can take a look at these. You can vary them a little bit and how they actually do play out, but these are the things that are repeated that build upon one another, that crescendo, if you will. Okay, so if you want to take a look at it, and I know we actually haven't even gotten much to the text yet, but there's a lot of groundwork we just have to lay beforehand. So the first four trumpets harm the wicked in their physical being. If you're doing a fill-in-the-blank, I believe that's one. The physical being... The last three bring spiritual anguish. Hell itself is let loose. So that's how we see the trumpets play out. So here we are. Revelation chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown on the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green and all green grass burned 
up. So this is the first trumpet dealing with the earth. Now, when you also read Revelation chapter 8, you're going to find that the word three or third, excuse me, is used a lot, actually 12 times. 12 being a symbolic number also of, of, of a certain amount of completion. So it occurs 12 times, but there's also a reference to a third being destroyed, and that's in the destruction of Jerusalem from Ezekiel. Twelve times in Revelation. Well, so Rose says she lost sound. Is anybody else? Has anybody else lost sound? As far as I can tell, I'm still transmitting here. Okay. Are we? Did we lose sound here? Okay, as far as I can tell, we've still got it. Uh, if there are any other issues, just let me know, and I will try to take care of them. Okay, so a third is being destroyed throughout Revelation. Back now. Okay, so the answer is I have no idea. I'm glad the sound's back on. I have no idea what happened. Okay because I'm, I'm getting it here. So, the, the question is, a third gets destroyed, why not everything being destroyed? Why not everything being destroyed? What does that say about God, that only a third is being destroyed? Not everything. Well, one commentator put it like this. Even though God expresses his wrath in the ruin of his creation, he shows his mercy by destroying only a third part while keeping the rest of his creation intact. And really what we're finding here is that this is going to allow repentance for those who would repent. So God is being merciful here, not just destroying everything by a third, allowing for repentance, if there is repentance to be had. Okay. So the second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Think of like a large meteor 
coming down to the earth. That would be something like a great mountain, right? Uh, some commentators have said this might refer to Mount Vesuvius that blew up. So if you take a look at, depending on your, uh, what shall I say, your view of Revelation, some people say, well, this already happened because of Mount Vesuvius. But I'm not one to say that this is Mount Vesuvius. That's not what uh, John had in mind. That's not what the Revelation was. I think it's much more like a great meteor. Okay, and also then notice that there are parallels to the Old Testament here. Revelation has more Old Testament references than any other book uh, in the New Testament. So if you want, you can cross-reference these with the plagues that God gave to the Egyptians, that God's wrath was poured out upon the Egyptians in the form of these plagues because they would not repent. The Pharaoh would not repent. He would not let the Israelites go. So we find hail and fire, blood, darkened uh, sky, moon, so forth. Uh, so there's parallels from the Old Testament all the way into the very last book here um, in Revelation. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on the third of the rivers of the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. So, Wormwood. It's a, a word that is only used here in the New Testament, and it only appears twice and in Revelations, both times in this verse. So it actually is a green leafy plant. We'll go large here for a moment. It's a green leafy plant, and it simply means bitter. The root of the, the plant is very, very bitter. Now, Interestingly enough, it's used seven times in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, it points to illicit sexual acts, punishment for sin, corrupt judgment, justice. This means that sin usually leads to bitterness of the soul. Wormwood, therefore, exemplified in adversity and grief, symbolizes damnation, and justice. So it's a weird word, right? We don't use that word. We're not familiar with the plant, but there is a uh, certainly a good reference for it in the Old Testament. So if you take a look, here is two references from Proverbs and then Amos. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword, her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And then from Amos chapter 5. O you who turn, down, turn justice into wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth. So there's your reference to wormwood. So Revelation chapter 
sorry, that's not chapter 14, that's chapter 8, verse 12. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, so the fourth trumpet now. And a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of their day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. So this talks about that darkness will come uh, over the, the heavens, right? And then it says, verse 13, Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice, and it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Woe, woe, woe. This is the only time in Scripture where woe is used three times in a row. Now, we've talked about the repetition, right? We've talked about it with God, who is holy, and around the throne. They say, holy, holy, holy. And that is only found also in Isaiah in the Old Testament. So twice, Old Testament and New Testament, holy, holy, holy is used in God. That means that there is nothing higher in the holiness. It is the full expression of holiness. Here in Revelation, this is the only time that woe is used three times. So it expresses the fullness of the woe, the misery that people will experience, the judgment that God will cast down upon the earth. It is the fullness of the woe, and this is being opened in the seventh seal. So if we take a look, and I believe I have it open uh, here. If you take a look at Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, starting with verse 20. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Why is their woe being upon them? Because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been entire in Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And Capernaum, will you be exalted heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom. It would have remained until this day. But I tell you, it would be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. So Jesus pronounces woe upon the towns, upon the cities that did not repent And here, in the opening of the seventh seal, with seven trumpets, four sounding so far, three more to come, the woe is being poured out upon the earth for those who have not repented. 
the book of Revelation is said to be a blessing, right? A blessing for all those who read it. It is a letter of love because for those who are sealed by the blood of the Lamb, we need not worry. It is a blessing for those who are not of faith that it would lead them to repentance and thus faith in the Lamb. And if you are a non-believer and you are working with us through this, let the Word of God take root in your heart this very day. Read through it again and again, and you will get, like Bolero, this repetition of God's holiness, his love, but also his wrath and judgment against those who do not believe. So really, it is a blessing for all who read it. He who has ears, let him hear what the Word of God says. And this is the good news for the day. Next week, we will pick it up in chapter 9, the continuation of the seventh seal and the seven trumpets. Until then, may God bless you richly. See you next week. Bye-bye.